Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Last Sunday, we celebrated Pentecost, and that usually calls some attention to the tongues of fire descending on the disciples as the Spirit comes upon them. We had the tongues of fire up there earlier, I guess. Um, The passion, the power, the untamed energy of God's Spirit. This week, on Trinity Sunday, we shift metaphors a bit and encounter God's Spirit as a steady flow of water into our thirsty hearts, bringing the full life of God to dwell within and among us. And as we ramp up into full summer mode here in Atlanta, that might be a little more comforting metaphor, actually. But beyond just the weather, I think it's also a really helpful way to understand God's Spirit drawing us into the life of God right in the midst of our current moment. I don't know about you, but the last few years have felt fiery to me in our political conflicts, in our religious conflicts, in our own hearts and in our personal and work relationships with a virus spreading like wildfire out of control, the heat that we're exposed to in our everyday life can be overwhelming. The flames of our culture can be suffocating. And we can wonder if there's any relief, any remedy that might provide a way forward with refreshment and vitality, with soothing waters of kindness and courage and sacrificial love. Well, I think these two passages that we read this morning, Psalm 8 and Romans 5, They do give us a way forward. They do point the way forward for us. They remind us of the life we were created for, especially Psalm 8. They caution us that we dare not move forward on our own. And they entice us into the life-giving, refreshing flow of the Spirit of Jesus as we follow in His way. So let's spend a few minutes looking at each of these three ways that these two passages point us forward in turn. First, Psalm 8. Uh, It reminds us of the life that we were created for. We were created beautifully for glory. Uh, I love listening to Psalm 8 be read. You probably have songs that go through your head as you listen to that scripture read as well. Um, It paints such an ideal picture of humanity, right? As the psalmist meditates on the creation story, he sees both the vast canvas of the heavens and the little but glorious role of humans on earth. We're partners with God in creation. We have significant impact in our little spheres of influence, and it's a dignified role that we get to play. If you remember from Genesis, after God creates humans as image bearers and blesses them and sends them to fill the earth and have dominion, we read that God fashions Adam, or the the groundling is what I like to call him, one made from the ground, and breathes the breath of life into him. And what I like, what I think Genesis is trying to tell us here uh, is that People have tremendous influence as image bearers in creation, but they were always meant to do it full of the breath of God, full of the Spirit of God. And this Spirit-filled living is meant to be a blessed contagion flowing out from Adam and Eve in the garden across all humanity. Last weekend, my wife and I went on the Secret Gardens of Avondale tour. Has anybody ever been on the Secret Gardens of Avondale tour? We've lived for 18 years just outside of Avondale Estates, and we never made it to any of these garden tours, but we finally made it, and it did not disappoint. We toured five gardens across the city, 
And they were each delightfully unique and peaceful little corners of creation. And as you looked at the careful selection and cultivation of native plants, the trailing, training of vines up the trellises, the paths and benches in the woods for quiet reflection, the butterfly gardens, bat houses, fire pits, and fountains. The whole experience highlighted how natural and fitting it can be for people to cultivate beautiful spaces where humans and critters, plants and water all intermingle and enjoy each other. And as I was walking through all of these different gardens, uh, through people's backyards, I thought um, it wouldn't be hard to write a hymn of praise, kind of like Psalm 8, walking through spaces like that. Humanly ordered natural beauty. The sun and the moon and the heavens above are all in their right places. Uh, and this space is as well. It's well ordered in this garden paradise, this Edenic little spot right there in Avondale Estates. My reaction when I get to linger in a tranquil spot like that is this feels wonderful. I could stay here for a long time. Thank you, God, for this place. Now, I imagine there might be some gardeners among us this morning, but I know that each one of us has been gifted and placed in certain neighborhoods and families and relationships and businesses and organizations to cultivate beauty, to be beautiful influencers. Where has God positioned you to cultivate beauty? Is there a relationship where you could till the soil and plant the seeds of new life this week? Are there situations in your family or neighborhood or business where you could cultivate love, respect, equity, fairness, and justice? Or as a congregation right here on Peachtree in, in Buckhead, um, how might God have positioned you to be beautiful influencers in your life together? Building a Habitat House is a time-honored tradition of being a beautiful influencer in Atlanta and now around the whole world, right? Um, what if you could bring good news into your places of influence this week? What if you could breathe grace and new life in a way that made people remark, this feels wonderful. I could stay in this place for a long time. Thank you, God, for this place. I believe that's the kind of human legacy that the psalmist imagines for God's image bearers living in God's creative world. Well, secondly, Romans 5 cautions us, after we read Psalm 8 with all of its idealism, it cautions us that we dare not move forward on our own. We desperately need peace with God. We will not be cultivators of beauty in our own strength. Quite clearly, things have not worked out so straightforwardly as what Psalm 8 envisions. Neither broadly in history, we can all see that, nor more narrowly in our own little lives. Paul tells us that because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we can now have peace with God. And the obvious context, maybe so obvious that we don't even see it, is that we desperately need peace with God. Our lives are full of so much potential for image-bearing fruitfulness, but they're also full of so much unpeacefulness, right? We're subject to a constant barrage of external hostilities, and at the same time, we're struggling to catch our breath from the heat of our own internal anxieties and guilt and conflict. Life is not easy, and it's not peaceful. Paul is saying that even in the midst of this difficult life, we can have peace with God. Last summer, during those few months of reprieve from spiking COVID cases, my family took a road trip out west. We flew to Las Vegas, started there. Never been to Las Vegas before. I don't know if I want to go back or not, but um, 
We went to the Hoover Dam, we went to Zion National Park, we went to Bryce Canyon and the Grand Canyon. It was an awesome trip, really a, a, a pleasure. And um, just lovely, but one constant feature of every day was the heat. It was hot. Our first stop was the Hoover Dam. It was 112 degrees and there's not a tree in sight. I don't know if you've been there before, but it is just desert and a little, little strip of water. And we, we, would, we were standing way up on the bridge looking down at the dam. And you could see this little winding Colorado River winding and then pooling more at the base of the dam. And we were told that the water was uh, 45 degrees. But as we stood in that intense heat and felt our bodies literally desiccating, that water seemed impossibly far off. Man, was it hot. And over the next few days, almost everywhere we went, we had to plan our days in terms of how much heat exposure we could stand and how to manage our water supply. It, was, uh, it, it felt sort of visceral almost how, how basic the needs were. But then one day we took a rafting trip on the Colorado River. Uh, what had seemed far off before was now within easy reach. The heat was every bit as intense. But as we began to wither, we just stopped and took a dip in the river. The water was remarkably cold. It really was, I think, 45, 46, 47 degrees, something like that. And it was utterly refreshing in the midst of the heat. And we just, we soaked our whole selves in it. Our bathing suits, our shirts, our hats, our tevas, our whole bodies just soaked it in the water. Uh, and it was utterly refreshing. Paul, I think, is telling us that in the oppressive heat of our own hearts, the heat we bring in our own lives, and the oppressive heat of our culture, racial and socioeconomic injustices, religious dysfunction, the everyday pettiness and jealousies that we swim in, the violence, the diseases and disorders, in the midst of all of the unpeacefulness of our day and of his, there's good news. There's good, there's good news. When we entrust our lives to Jesus, he offers us peace with God. And the image he gives us is of God's love being poured out into our hearts. I imagine God pouring it liberally, spilling it over, getting everything around us wet. I imagine it like the cold water of the Colorado River in the heat of the Arizona desert. The heat is still every bit as real, but we find the strength and the vitality and the freshness to press through it as we soak ourselves in the peaceful and peacemaking love of God. That's spirit-soaked living. Now, if God is just one more person we have to perform for, or if God has a limited supply of love and he has a careful rationing system for his love, if God might withhold his love when we need it and ask for it, then there's really no peace on offer, is there? But if God's love is abundant and available to all who ask, if God's love washes over our hearts and our congregations and it bathes us in hope, then we suddenly find ourselves able to withstand the heat. And in fact, Paul says that in that context, when we suffer and endure in the midst of the heat, it actually bears fruit. We develop character and we gain hope as our roots dig deeper into the peaceful love of God and we enjoy spirit-soaked living. How might you tap into the peace and love of God as you live in your places of beautiful influence? as cultivators of beauty. Well, I want to challenge you that it, it will take some intentionality. The flow of God's love is available to us. The Spirit longs to saturate us. We just need to create space 
for God to do that work and not cut off the flow of God's Spirit. In the contemporary church, there's a lot of emphasis on contemplative action, envisioning life marked both deeply by contemplative, meditative experience of the divine and by the deeply impactful activism of those who long for goodness and justice and peace. The two go together. A contemplative experience of soaking ourselves in the spirit of God and that activist spirit of pursuing goodness and justness and righteousness in the world. If we want to be beautiful influencers, we need time to keep company with Jesus, to linger in the presence of God, to soak in the flow of the spirit. Otherwise, we're just going to bring more hostility, more fear and anxiety to the table in our places of influence. So I want to ask you, is your daily life Hemmed in, is it, is it soaked with the Spirit of God? Do you have some simple practices to interrupt the default mode of our culture and our anxious hearts and to allow the love of God and the peace of God to nourish our roots, saturate your spirits? I want to challenge you to consider some simple practices to keep that space for God open so that you can dwell more richly in God's life in the coming days. I work a lot with... Uh, University faculty and graduate and professional school students, law students, business students, PhD students, public health students. And I really encourage them to seek the wisdom of others who've gone before them and others around them and looking for some simple practices. I do a lot of book recommendations. I could recommend a book to anybody that has, wants some uh, guides into more spiritual rhythms of practice in our lives, uh, rule of life and spiritual disciplines. Um, but I would encourage you to, to foster some daily habits of devotion some weekly habits of Sabbath, and some annual habits of retreat. Uh, I'm actually going to a, a monastery for a three-night retreat this week. I try to do that every year or so, just a chance to completely unplug from my life, uh, spend time reflecting on the past year, sort of like a prayer of examine, but over the course of the last year, I'm looking forward to the next year. Uh, it gives me a time to consider the relationships in my life as a father, as a husband, as a minister, as a neighbor, as a family member, a brother. Uh, all these different relationships. And invite God to saturate me in his spirit for the things that those relationships require of me and give me the privilege of doing. What does it look like for you? Uh, what kind of daily habits of, of prayer and silence and meditation? What kind of weekly habits of Sabbath and rest, rejuvenation might you practice to make sure that you keep yourself saturated and soaked in the spirit of God? Well, thirdly, Paul entices us into the flow of the way of Jesus. He wants us to be deeply formed in the way of Jesus. As we read through this passage in Romans 5, he kind of hints as to what our lives will look like when we receive God's love and peace. He says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and that it's through Christ that we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. We cry out to God for grace, for peace, for love. And it's ours as a free gift. But Jesus has paved the way. He's given shape to spirit-soaked living. He's borne all of the suffering that this life can offer, and all the while deeply trusted in his Father's love to bring him through to glory. He earned every bit of the human glory he shares with God. Often in Christian circles, we portray uh, what we receive from God in terms of love and life is something that's kind of credited to our account. But I think it can be more helpful to think of God's Spirit actually uniting us with Jesus, incorporating us into the life-giving, 
resurrecting relationship between father and son. We don't really receive credit so much as we receive Christ. We receive Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. We soak in the glory of God here and now. We bathe in the beauty of God today. And we yield to the flow of God's Spirit. Leading us in the way of Jesus, which is a suffering and self-sacrificing and character-building and world-transforming way. That's the specific way that the Spirit of Jesus leads us. Jesus' faithful, peacemaking life, fully shared in the suffering of the world, and even bore the worst of it as he confronted evil and injustice in the world. And in Jesus, whose earthly embodied life was thoroughly spirit-soaked and saturated with God's love, suffering did produce endurance. And endurance did produce character, and character did produce hope. Jesus knew that he ever lived in God's love, as the Spirit testified within, with his Spirit, that he was God's Son. Beloved, when we entrust ourselves to Jesus, he brings his very life to dwell in our hearts. We're designed for beautiful influence in God's creation. We're designed to be cultivators of beauty, but only as we're led by the Spirit of God. When we go it on our own, we produce hostility. We return fear for fear, anger for anger, tit for tat, insult for insult, wound for wound. But when we welcome the faithful life of Jesus within and among us, we're led by His Spirit. We believe that we're God's children. We overflow with God's love that has been poured into our hearts. And God has not been measured or stingy in pouring out his love through his spirit. He pours in abundance. And that experience of God's love frees us to be the beautiful influencers, the cultivators of beauty that we long to be. I'll give you three examples of, of what I mean, what it might look like in, in everyday life. First, in the workplace. I was at a college reunion recently and talking with a friend who has taken up an important position in the national government. They daily face the heat of angry people challenging them and demanding things. They live in a climate of big egos, power politics, and fear-induced controlling attitudes. And as I talked with this friend, they narrated how they sit in God's presence each day, and they soak in the Spirit of God. And they find the strength to move forward with courage and conviction and love. They cultivate beauty, and in doing so, they craft policy that is a huge blessing to millions and millions of us. Some of us right here are touched by the policies that they're making, and they are soaking in the Spirit of God every day to be a beautiful influencer. Second example, when I was doing an internship as a hospital chaplain at Emory University Hospital Midtown, uh, the biggest emphasis for our cohort was on self-awareness. Who and what are we bringing into the room when we entered a hospital room to be with a patient or a family member? What would I offer to someone who just lost a mother or father or spouse or sister or brother? If I was not living out of a place of peace with God that day, could I be a non-anxious presence as someone faced a difficult decision if I was not experiencing the love of God in that moment? Peace and love allow us to enter in as a non-anxious presence in the midst of an intimate moment of grief or loss. Third example, my wife is, is the director of congregational care at North Avenue at our home church. 
and much of her work involves creatively imagining how to cultivate beauty in our congregation in the midst of hard circumstances. And I watch her, she lingers with God every morning, soaking in the Spirit of God. And then she rises to build teams of support around those who need employment, or who are caring for aging parents, or special needs family members, or who want to have biological children or want to adopt. She helps our congregation remember that God lives among us, and Jesus leads us into other people's lives, into each other's lives and the lives of those in our neighborhood to be cultivators of beauty. What changes for good might you see, Covenant Presbyterian, as you follow in the way of Jesus, filled to overflowing with the love of God? Paul says when we encounter suffering, which every human life does, we develop endurance and character and hope. When we suffer apart from Christ, it may very well dry us up and wither us. Let's be real, even suffering with Christ is no, is no party. It's nothing easy about it. But with Christ, suffering can sink our roots deeper into the life of God. So without a sense of our place as beautiful influencers or as cultivators of beauty, we may just end up inwardly focused. And Psalm 8, I think, points us out from there and says we get to be beautiful influencers. We get to cultivate beauty in God's creation and give praise to God for that privilege of partnership. But Romans 5 reminds us, without peace with God, we may, be, we may be bringing more of the world's conflict and anxiety and hostility into the mix. Paul points us to the peace that God offers with Christ, the peacemaker. Filled to overflowing with the love of God, led by the Spirit in the way of Jesus, we truly become people of hope and character and persevering love. And when we live in that flow, our hearts grow bigger and the world becomes a better place. Let God's Spirit water the garden of your heart this week. Linger in God's presence, and don't be surprised if you find yourself saying, this feels wonderful. I could stay here for a long time. Thank you, God, for this place. But then rise up and ask yourself, where can I let some of this overflowing love help me be a cultivator of beauty? Right in the world where I live, where can I bring the refreshing waters of God's peace and love right in the midst of the heat of the day? and get to hear other people say, this feels wonderful. I could stay in this place for a long time. Thank you, God, for your peace and love. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.